This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, an Ella's Leash production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. We have an amazing guest and a few exercises to help us deal with buried trauma in our bodies. Trauma that disconnects us from our authentic selves. Now, just let me say the human spirit is miraculous and we can recover from all kinds of things. So for everyone who says, when we talk about buried trauma, stop being a baby and bringing up your sad stories. Suck it up and move on. I hear you. But I also know that taking a minute, or in today's case, 25 minutes, to scan back on your life and see if you can release any trauma, that's a good thing too. Maybe you are the way you are, shy or loud, quiet or different, because of trauma. Maybe there's more of you that hasn't been revealed because of trauma. First, we're going to make a list. You can make a mental list or write it down. Think of all of the people in your childhood that made you feel safe. Make a list of all the people in your childhood whose eyes lit up when you walked into the room. And as you come out of childhood, make a list of all the people throughout your life who've really been there for you, your champions. They've had your back, they're on the sidelines cheering you on. Think about those people either mentally or or make a list. Parents, extended families, siblings, teachers, neighbors. We're bringing to mind all the people that we ran to to feel seen, loved, warmed, and we're just going to marinate in that for a minute. I had a hundred relatives growing up, literally hundreds of relatives, but really there was only one uncle who loved to sing me songs, wanted to seek me out and sing me songs, and two aunts that thought I walked on water, or they let me believe they thought that. I'm guessing they were just trying to help me stay afloat. So there's that, a great list, people who gave us the good stuff in childhood and throughout our lives. This will make more sense in a few minutes. But now we want to make another list, and we are going to picture this list and these events on a mountain in Hawaii, really far up a mountain. And if you're in Hawaii, then you put your list on a mountain in New York. We are going to put up on that mountain the traumas of our life, starting with childhood, dramatic events in the home or with your family, even things that didn't affect you personally but happened around you. Those count. Let's put those things up on this high, high mountain in Hawaii. Teenage trauma, trauma later in life, divorces, deaths. Put these things that perhaps are buried deep within you, far away on a mountain. Just feel what it feels like in your body when you take something that has caused you trauma and you put it far away. I've run healing circles for women with trauma this past year, and I plan to do some more after the new year. And the miracles that happened in that circle with women telling their story for the first time or just listening, we got the bad stuff out, we threw it into the circle, and we let the light heal it. I have a cousin I invited to come to one of these circles knowing of her childhood trauma, and she said, no, that would be too sad to think of all that. 
And yes, it is sad for a few minutes, and then it gets lighter, and then you feel free. Everyone who came to the circles healed in some way, and that's what I want to happen today. First, get safe. Remember that you're safe in this moment. Think of all the people who love and support you, and if that list is short or shorter than you'd like it to be, think of the show, and think of all the people who listen. We are a caring community. We form and energy of support, and we've got you. And then put your traumatic events high in a mountain. As we listen to Julie Brown Yao, who beckons us to release trauma from the body, find emotional balance, connect with inner wisdom, in her book, The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma. Our trauma may be on the back burner, but it's simmering somewhere in the body. Well, trauma lives within our body. So whenever we are in a traumatic event, and traumatic events can be so much more than people realize, and that's why I love to talk about this, and I'm so happy to be able to talk about it, that potential of trauma lives in our body, not in the event. And it's not always obvious. So it stays in our body in the form of tension and stress and high arousal, and it can disrupt the nervous system and really over time can create havoc and then all kinds of illnesses. Right. So it's really important that we get to understand trauma. Now, can people live their entire life having had, say, a, a traumatic experience in their childhood and then live their entire life and not realize fully that that trauma yes. is still alive in them? What does that look like? Yes, absolutely. You know, I've worked with a number of people in their 70s, early 70s, and a couple of people in their late 70s, and they are just beginning to work on their very early trauma. So for them, their life has been very limited, very constrained in some ways. They've really compromised how they've been in the world and in their relationships. But what is tricky to understand is they don't realize that. Underneath the surface of their awareness is all of these patterns of strategies that are still playing out, still believing that the danger or the threat of their childhood is still around. So that's the body and the nervous system interpretation. And so in the, in the healing process, we realize, oh my gosh, this is how I've been limiting myself. And then we enter into a state of more aliveness, feeling more free, having so much more energy, not being so exhausted. So it can look many ways. I want to just dig a little deeper into this. How can trauma living in your body be limiting? Is that you wouldn't put yourself in certain situations? Exactly. It can be a variety of situations. So maybe I don't like to be in busy places and I don't like to be where there's crowds or I don't like to be where I'm the center of attention. Maybe I like to live my life in a more isolated or withdrawn way and I can say, oh, that's just my personality. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's because something happened in childhood that felt very threatening to you and so you create these patterns or ideas about yourself that you need to be more alone or not jumping into the middle of things or not being able to express yourself well. And that's a big one. This limitation on the expression of what I call and many other people call our authentic self. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about um, something traumatic in childhood, nobody gets out of childhood without some sort of trauma, right? We're not just talking about the big ones. You know, there's there's physical abuse and sexual abuse. What are some of the other childhood traumas you could be talking about? So not being held enough, not being loved, nurtured enough, 
not stop feeling seen, not feeling heard, when we don't have enough delight pouring out of our caregiver's eyes at our very existence, it almost feels threatening, like we don't exist or our existence doesn't hold any kind of importance. So that's another message I really like to get across. It's not just these big traumas that are really obvious, as you name some of the abuses or a big loss you know, or a surgery, but it can be not being held enough. You know, infants, young children need a lot of nurturance and a lot of holding to feel safe in their body and to feel safe in the world. And with both caregivers or both parents working these days, it's really difficult for them to be able to attend to their child or children's needs in a way that a children need. And the child's interpretation of not having what we call their essential needs met is a feeling of internal threat in the body. Mm-hmm. And that's why we also talk about trauma being held in the body. And so the child contracts or maybe disconnects from the body a little bit or maybe connects more to the intellect and lives a life in more in the mind, in the body. But the problem with that is they're avoiding that pain that still lives in the body. And over time, in some way, whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally, it's going to affect that individual. We're talking to Julie Brown Yao, Y-A-U, Ph.D. The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma is what I'm holding in my hands. And Julie, I want to go back to something you said in the beginning, and I want every mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, cousin, caregiver to hear this. A child is looking into your eyes when they walk in the room to see how you feel. Yeah, and they want to feel delighted that you see them. They need to know that their presence means something to you. That's how a healthy sense of self begins to develop or is developing. It's beginning right from the get-go when we're born. That's when we need the mother or the mother functioning figure, whoever that is, to hold it. So when an infant cries in distress, it's meant to elicit a distress signal in the caregiver to come get the infant to hold it, and they soothe each other. But really it's the mother, the mother functioning figure, soothing the child because the child, especially in that first year, can't soothe itself. Mm. So as the nervous system is developing, the mother needs to hold the baby and soothe the baby to teach the child how to calm itself. Otherwise, it just feels too, you know, distraught in the body. And your teenager, your grouchy, miserable teenager, when they come home from wherever they are, they need to see love in your eyes, even at that age. Yes? That's right. Always. We always need to connect with the people who take care of us or our friends, our loved ones, and see that they care for us, that they love us, and that we feel that love, you know. Our eyes are amazing transmitters of energy and emotion, you know. So whenever there's a child around, our children are around, we really want to make sure that we're looking at them in a way that is accepting of them. And obviously life throws all kinds of things at all of us. So angry eyes or depressed eyes or dissociated eyes really transmit something into the child. So we just need to have a little bit more awareness about that so we can begin to calm ourselves as adults, to begin to self-regulate and emotionally regulate. 
so when we're with our children, we are more likely to be able to look at them with love and a sense of calmness and kindness. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, is so people can begin to regulate themselves. And then they're more available to relationship with others, not only their children, but their lovers, spouses, their friends. Right? When our eyes are soft and open, we can be receptive to other people, but that also allows other people to resonate with our softness and become softer themselves, meaning more open, more available to actually see and feel one another and to get to know who each other are at a deeper level in this surface, disconnected place that many of us are living around in the world today. Yeah. The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma is what we're talking about today with uh, author Julie Brown Yao. Now, when you spoke before about people who are carrying around trauma in their bodies, we spoke of people who hold themselves back from situations, but and you also mentioned, was it uh, high high arousal or high uh, anxiety? What, what, Correct. What, what, ha, explain that, please. So if we go again back to, to childhood, I think sometimes it helps if we begin right in the very, very beginning. When a baby cries, it's going into a state of distress. And at the nervous system point of view, the sympathetic nervous system, which prepares us for fight or flight, goes into higher and higher and higher states of what we call arousal. And it begins to feel more and more uncomfortable if nobody comes to tend to it. And we could say that at any age, actually, when we get more and more upset, we have a tolerance level for only a certain amount of that distress. And of course, that's going to vary in every individual. But for children, that's a pretty low tolerance level. And we build that up over the time. Every time we go into distress, we need somebody to come, help calm us somebody to connect with us, somebody to be in relationship with. And then we say, okay, something uncomfortable happened, but then it's okay. Somebody comes, I'm safe. That builds resilience and allows us to be able to feel more and more and tolerate more and more in the world as we grow up, which is really important. You know, with human beings, there's all kinds of experience happens. You know, beautiful things, frightening things. There's loss, there's accidents. We really want to develop a sense of tolerance so when an, um, an emotion comes within us, we're actually able to stay with it. We don't need to shut it down. We don't need to reject it. We don't need to project it on other people. You know, anger is one of the worst ones of those, right? We feel anger, we can't tolerate it, and consciously we don't realize that we project it out into the world and we get mad at another person or another group, and then they're projecting their hurt back on us, and we just have a mess, right. as we see on the news and right. all around us. Right, yeah. right, right. Wow. You talk about, in the in the later part of the book, you talk about putting anger at a distance, placing anger at a safe distance. One of the exercises in the book, could you Tell us a little bit about that. I will. So for a lot of people, anger comes up in their system, in their body, in their body systems, and it just feels too much. It's an emotion, maybe that they didn't create a healthy relationship with as a child. So as an adult, we're still looking through the, the lens of the child, if you will. So when something comes up that triggers us and we feel angry, it can just be too much to hold. Oftentimes we project it out or it goes in towards us. So the exercise that I put in the book, one of the exercises about anger is we then imagine that our anger is, you know, out on a mountain somewhere or out over the ocean. And then we imagine the anger playing out to safe enough distance away from us to not feel threatened by that anger from a, from a body perspective or a nervous perspective position. You know, our mind might say, I'm not afraid, but the body might feel differently. 
So we imagine it's far away, and as we imagine that anger doing whatever it would like to do, in whatever form it is, we feel our body. And that begins to allow the body to feel it just a little bit at a safe distance, and that gently begins to expand our tolerance level for being able to feel anger. And as we feel it in our body, when we're also able to witness it or observe it in a way, it begins to dissolve. Or a better way of saying it is our anger is our life force. And as we begin to feel it in a healthy way, or it's not whipping out at somebody, or it's not going in against us, it begins to rewire back into our body-mind system as our life force. So we feel more energized, more alive. We have more connection to our natural sense of joy or beingness. That's one of those exercises. Thank you for asking about that. Okay, Julie brown So I I can send my anger out to the top of a mountain far away. It's in Hawaii. That's where I put it, Mm -hmm. which is farther from me than it is from you. So Mm -hmm. beware. It's... (laughs) (laughs) I put my anger there and I can let it do whatever it wants on the top of that mountain far away? Yeah. Why don't you try it? Just imagine. Imagine something on top of a volcano right now in Hawaii and your anger matches even that volcano maybe. And you feel your body simultaneously imagining that. You may notice some sensations in your body that represent a little bit of anger, but it's not so much so it doesn't feel scary. Now, that so might weird. not work for everybody. That's why I put a number of exercises in. And I put that quite far along in the book because I want people, before they begin to feel anger in their body, to begin to feel safe in their body. Right. Because we need to feel safe to organically reconnect. So if, if we've had adverse childhood experiences, if we've had early trauma or trauma any time in our life that has been too much so it doesn't resolve and it's living within us, to get on this path of healing and resolution, we first need to begin to feel safe and then we'll gently reconnect to the body because trauma disconnects us or completely dissociates us. So we build these patterns of feelings of safety and then the disorganization that trauma brings to the body will gently begin to reorganize back into what we could say a higher level of organization, which is where we get into post-traumatic growth, we begin to feel more than we were even prior to the traumas taking place because we're cultivating body awareness, organization between the body systems, and more sense of aliveness and, and energy within us. Beautiful. Where can we go for more information about you and the Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma? Thank you. You can come to my website. It's Julie Brown Yao. Dot com. I'm going to be having some webinars coming up. One is coming up actually in November with the Science and Non-Duality Conferences. People could go there, put in my name for webinars, and my webinar will come up. And I'm actually going to be working a lot with anger on that webinar in a way that creates a sense of safety because I feel this is one of the emotions that a lot of people don't find resolution with, that a lot of even therapists can, you know, have unresolved anger. And if we work with somebody who has unresolved emotions, then it's difficult for them to be able to help an individual with theirs because it triggers or the field doesn't seem safe. And then I'm going to be doing some more webinars in the future also. That's Julie Brown Yao. Find her book, The Body Awareness Workbook, and catch her webinars at juliebrownyao.com. Trauma lives in our bodies, not in the event. 
Doesn't that make sense? Okay, take a breath, and we'll come back to this topic after a quick meditation from Steve Quinn. Thanks for tuning in. This is Shine On, the health and happiness show. This meditation is about energy, and it will energize you, give you courage, and is an antidote to vacillation. It begins with this concept. Behind every form and every function, there's a power, a bank of force. There's a saying, do the thing and you shall have the power. There's a great secret in that. Often people wait until they feel the motivation to do something. Instead, decide what you want with your life and do it. And even if you don't feel it at first, you'll feel it very soon. Act the part and the force of that action will come to you. Before every action, there's a thought. Before every result in physical manifestation, there's an unseen power. Now think practically. In every field of life, from the police force to teachers, doctors, lawyers, gardeners, painters, poets, everything, there is an unseen bank of force and guiding intelligence waiting to come in and help. Decide what you want to do. If you've already been doing something for a long time, recommit yourself. Ask yourself, why do I do this? And that will bring you into the core of your purpose. What do I serve? Parts of life should be as simple as a soldier following orders. Should be that clear. When you decide what you want to do, what you want to be about, what physical actions, what career, what qualities you want to represent, you plug into them. Think about this consciously for a moment. Imagine a great bank of force that is the force of whatever it is that you've decided to do with your life. Now imagine that that force has your back and flows through you and helps you to do everything you want to do clearly, without hesitation, to get the results you want to get. Do this regularly and it will build great stamina, great courage, and simplicity in your life. And you'll strengthen the connection between you and that very bank of power that you serve. And this will give you great clarity, great purpose, and great energy. That's Steve Quinn, a healer who will actually be with us next week. I want to go back to the exercise we did at the beginning of the show and invite you to take some time, if not now, maybe in the future, to look at the traumas that may have taken place in your earlier life and in your family. And if you're the type to say, oh, just push through that and carry on, I suggest you too make a list of what you're putting aside and moving away from. Make a list of your traumas and see if there's any charge left in any of them for you. Maybe not. But if you can't think about that thing and be free of it, there are things you can do to help release it. I think of a story from first grade. This didn't happen to me. It happened like three rows in front of me and way to the left. But a little girl in first grade lifted her heel out of the back of her shoe and the nun leading the class. And I don't want to throw nuns under the bus, but that's who did it. The nun leading the class got so mad at this first grade girl, she took her shoe and she put it in the garbage. Now, all of us in the classroom, at least it felt like all of us, definitely I was terrified for this child because the nun said, how are you going to explain this to your parents when you get off the bus and you only have one shoe? And I thought, oh, that will be very bad for her. And the little girl started to cry, but the nun told her not to cry. So now she's holding back her tears and she got so upset she peed her pants. Ugh. And that was a whole other drama. I can still feel the sadness I felt, the tension in that room and... I have like uncried tears for that little girl that day. 
whenever I hear her name or think about that school. Right? It didn't even happen to me. I mean, I was in the room. But I think about her. And if she remembers that day, I hope she doesn't. She did finally get her shoe back right before she got on the bus. And then I think about my dogs. (laughs) You know me and my dogs. I think about how my dogs, when they get into a scuffle with each other, afterwards, they literally shake their entire body to move forward in a new direction. That's what this exercise is about. It's about releasing. It's about changing the energy in your body. It's literally about shaking it off, right, in a really healthy, positive way. So then you can move forward. And I also think about some of my early Reiki training, where a Reiki practitioner taught me when a negative thought or a memory comes into your mind, or even as something negative is happening, you can say to your body, release, release, release. You're giving your cells and your mind permission not to take it in or to let it go. Release, release, release. And those are just a couple of the closing thoughts I wanted to share with you about trauma and healing from it. Shaking it off when you can, saying release, release, release when you can, picturing it far away on a mountain, and also doing things like picking up this book called The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma, A Scientific and Spiritual Approach from Julie Brown Yao. Okay, our thought for the day is from Camille Paglia, who said, We cannot have a world where everyone is a victim. I'm this way because my father made me this way. I'm this way because my husband made me this way. Yes, we are indeed formed by traumas that happen to us, but then you must take charge. You must take over. You are responsible. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.